Entrepreneurship is a lifestyle choice. It is. And if you choose that lifestyle, you are going to be an entrepreneur 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That's just what you're deciding to do. Hello, my friend, and welcome to this two-part Business Monday series of A Call to Leadership. We're embarking on a journey of the dark side of entrepreneurship. I've invited Sam Sala and Travis Revell to co-host these episodes with me, and we're going to get into some deep waters on the real stressors entrepreneurs face, the ones that can debilitate us, the ones that can take us out of the game, but the ways we can also overcome them. I can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to leadership fellas hello hi here we are how are you business monday i'm great good man it's spring i came in he told me that you're gonna feed me what mcdonald's i'm actually feeling pretty good i'm in good shape okay good. You, should, well, you should for those of you who don't know nate as looks really lean right now lean, lean very lean, lean right yeah very lean so this is how lean i was in 1998 how old were you in 1998? I was 25 years old in 98, and I've got something to show you guys. For those of you who just wow. watched listening, StarTac. This is my Motorola StarTac from 1998. It's my cell phone. I don't know if you oh, remember me uh, back in the day with that. Can I, Sam. Can I see this real quick? Yeah. Look how comfortable that is. <laughs> I know. I almost, I almost <laughs> like even that. today. Right. Like, I almost missed that phone. I mean, how comfortable yeah. is that? Did you, you guys just, have StarTacs? I did. I if you had a StarTac. And you just, yeah. and did you just, say hit me on the hip? That's right. Hit, hit me, me on the hip. hip. Yeah. But then, you know, the thing is, is like, you just you have a call. extended battery that like yeah. goes on the top. You just have a call. Like, you, yeah, it was so simple. That's it. It was so simple. You're not getting dinged with a thousand notifications all day long. Right. That's awesome. This is, that was back in the day. And the reason why I brought this in today as a prop was as a reminder to keep off our episode on the dark side of entrepreneurship. You're like, what does your star tech have to do with the dark side of entrepreneurship? Well, during this time, I was only in business for three years. And so I started in 95. And by the time I had three years in and I was flaunting the cell phone, I was over $100,000 in debt. I could barely pay my bills. I could barely make payroll. And I was severely, and I mean severely stressed out. I mean, almost to the point where I was like ulcerating. It was really bad. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a little bit about this in some of our segments, but we're going to really dive in tonight to talk about this, what we call the dark side, the negative factors of entrepreneurship. And they can envelop us and they can dominate our behavior. And so sometimes there's a positive aspect, but we're all confronted with risk as entrepreneurs. And we've got financial risks, we've got career risks, we've got family, social risks, right? I mean, from the financial part, we put a significant portion of our savings and resources, all of it's at stake, especially if we're going from corporate work to entrepreneurship, the careers we choose, right? Sometimes we can't go back to our old jobs. They don't exist if we fail. Family, constant, right? We not only, and this isn't like, oh, it all goes away. It's always there, right? We put our families at risk. I mean, possibility for like permanent scars. All of this, these are all real factors. Psychic risks, right? Our own well-being. All of these are stressors. And someone listening today is like, yep, I check all those boxes. Sometimes some boxes are more and sometimes are less. We're talking about entrepreneurial stress and really talk about some different areas of stress and how we experience them and what we deal with. 
So I guess the big question to start with is none of this has ever happened to any of you guys, right? All of it. <laughs> Checked all the boxes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean... It's like a decent Tuesday. Right. <laughs> That's Tuesday, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> so true, man. So there's some research I want to read to you both from uh, Boyden Grumpert, and I provided uh, the form as well. So they identified what they thought were four causes of stress. I want to talk through all, all four of them. Number one, I, interestingly, they put loneliness as the first part of entrepreneurial stress. Here's what they say. Entrepreneurs are isolated from persons whom, in whom they can confide. They tend not to participate in social activities unless there is some business benefit. Like, where does loneliness fit into your, or has fit into your stress of being an entrepreneur? Have you ever felt lonely as an entrepreneur? Yes. And I think that comes from, right, like, you're trying to do something. And let's say, you know, you've got this idea, this vision that you're trying to accomplish. And so you know, every moment of the day is like a chess game in your head, right? Like trying to move along and get your vision going. And even when you have some, you, you start hiring employees, you know, you've got to be the strong rock. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you think. You know what I mean? Right. You're like, I'm the boss. This is my business. Like I've got to be the strong person. Like I can't show weakness, you know? And then I think for me, right. As a man, like with my family, I also feel the pressure of being the strong person, right? Like not to show, like you want your family Weakness. to be comfortable. You want them to feel like everything's going to be great. You know what I mean? Like you're constantly selling this dream of this is going to be great, you know? Meanwhile, inside, I always like to say like I'm in the ocean, treading water as fast as I can, just keep your head above water, right? But I think from society, I can't say it's like this if you're a female entrepreneur, I would assume it's very similar, but from a societal standpoint, right? The man is supposed to have it together. You know, the provider, the protector, you know, the planner, right? Like you've got life really, it's on your shoulders. And unfortunately, right, like we're all human. And so there isn't a playbook right? When you're starting a business to say, okay, these are all the things I need to do that lead to success. And so, you know, you're going through all this turmoil and yet to everybody externally, you need to feel like you feel like you need to have it all together. Yeah. Right. And so another analogy would be like a duck, right? On the surface, the duck is calm and smooth and nothing is going on, but underneath it's kicking its feet like right. crazy and it's, it's, it's going out of control. And so, I feel this a lot. Like even if things are successful, right? I still feel this. And part of it is probably my upbringing with not like sharing a lot or not showing quote unquote weakness, even though I don't think it's weakness to show that, right? But like we're all proud of our environments and that's the environment in which I was raised. And so I think this is a big one. I think that this is something that affects men, again, I can't say anything about females, right? Because I'm not a female, but like from a man's perspective, from my perspective, this is a huge issue for men in general, especially entrepreneurs who are out there with families trying to follow their vision. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's really good, Travis. Personally, of all these things, this is the one I experienced the least for multiple reasons. Mainly, you know, I had mentors. I had people around me to help me. 
even when it was bad, I didn't, you know, you talked about the family aspect. Even when it was bad and I was worried, I was really good at not sharing that and not bringing that with me home. My wife would have never known how bad it was, at what point it was bad, but I did not allow failure to be an option for me. You're going to fail, but in my mindset, it wasn't an option because of my family, because of what would happen if I didn't succeed. So I didn't feel that so much, like I was on an island and I'm by myself, And but I've always seeked mentorship. We always talk about have someone that you can speak, even if you're like a solopreneur and you don't have a partner, you don't have a mentor, reach out and get a mentor because this is why you need one. You need someone to talk this stuff through. Someone I recently started coaching, their biggest thing was this aspect to have to make decisions on their own, not knowing if they were the right ones, which can cause a feeling of loneliness. Who else am I here to talk to? It's just right. me, my responsibility. And if I fail, it affects everybody. It's yeah. a huge weight. It's interesting to me that that's number one. And it's kind of surprising when I think about my experience. As an entrepreneur, your vision is yours. It's your success, your failure. I never really looked at it beyond that. So I didn't feel this so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? I can see where people do. Oh, yeah. In fact, one of the newest members of our group, one of the reasons why for our mastermind group, one of the critical reasons he wanted to join was this number one. He's like, it is so lonely. I, my entire peer group is, they're nine to fivers. Mm -hmm. They have no idea what I'm going through, starting a business, all of the challenges, the struggles, all of the, the what ifs. And I just can't have conversations with them yeah. because I can't have those kind of conversations with them. I can explain it, but unless you're living it, can you really understand it? No, I unfortunately, right, like, I don't say I've lost friends, right? Because I mean, they're still friends, right? I mean, they're still there. But when I started my own company, I kind of ran into the same thing, right? Like my peer group all had nine to five jobs. I mean, I come from a very blue collar city. So a lot of, you know, my friends that I grew up with, you know, were in some type of trade. And so, you know, it would be one of those conversations where they would tell me about all the things that are going on in their work. And they'd be like, what's going on with your work? And I'm just like, it's great. You know, because <laughs> I, I don't even know yeah. how to begin to tell the story to somebody who isn't doing what I'm doing to say, well, this is what I did today. Because there's no context there for somebody to be like, oh, I understand. And not only is there no context, and is, this is going to come off rude and I'm not meaning it to be, but there's not going to be any advice that that person can give me right. because they don't know. And I don't expect them to know. Right. And so I'm the type of person that I don't want to burden anybody with my crap. Right. Like I don't want to dump that on somebody, especially if I don't believe that person can give me anything back. So I just, so then I just don't. And you know, a lot of my friends that I used to hang out with, like in my early 20s, you know, I don't anymore. And we're still friends, you know, and I mean, we'll still it's message different. each other, but it's just different. We're in different 
places. And, you know, I travel a lot, you know what I mean? Like I'm all over the place. And so, you know, having a schedule for trying to like, I mean, like Sam and I, it took us like three months just to plan one night to go out and grab dinner, you know, because it's like, oh, the kids and this and that, and there's all these different variables and it becomes lonely. You know, I mean, it does become lonely because you're going through this emotional roller coaster every single day and you have a big win you kind of look around to want to celebrate it with somebody, but like. It's an interesting dynamic, this aspect of loneliness, because it doesn't necessarily pop up just when you are maybe isolated in a physical sense, because there's that mental isolation you're talking about. It's like you can be isolated when things are going wrong or you're like, okay, I have major issues. I've got to figure it out. It's just me, right? But at the same time, flip it. And when things are going great, you can still be alone because it's like not like you're going to tell your peers, yeah, I just made a million bucks, right? right? Or we've got this, you know, amazing thing going on, right? There's still that it's such a terse sort of place to be as an entrepreneur when it comes to this single aspect of loneliness where you can't really share all the aspects of your life. No. You know, you can't just talk about your day at work. No. Yeah. So one of the most difficult questions I get asked is, what do you do? A hundred percent. So that's number one, most difficult question I get asked. Like, how long do you have? You know, you said the what ifs, you know, entrepreneurs risk the what ifs for what's possible. We do. We know the risk. We know things can go bad. What if you file bankruptcy? What if you get divorced? What if, what if, what if, what if for the hope? of what's possible. And you do that alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you may have peers and mentors and all that, and they can support you. But at the end of the day, like it's you in that bed at night, sweating, mm-hmm. when that what if turns into an oh no. And it will. It will. What can go when. wrong. Yeah, when, not will. it. Will. Yeah. What can go wrong will. Yeah. In most cases. It's real, it's a real source of stress. How about this second one? And this is good because we're all <laughs> we're all on the boat. Immersion in business. Most entrepreneurs are married to their business. They work long hours, which leaves them with little or no time for <laughs> civic. <laughs> I love that civic recreation. <laughs> I'll take this first if you don't mind. <laughs> go, go for it. Wait, let me tell a story. <laughs> we were at Disney World and kids were little. And Sam, so I had gotten to the point where I turned my StarTech off at Disney World. <laughs> Sam had not yet mm-hmm. got to that point. And we were in a line. I still don't shut my phone off. <laughs> we were in Just a line. He's on the phone. Something's going on. Kids are all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, this dude has not learned how to turn his business off when he's at an amusement park. Now, I'm not saying that it hasn't happened to me. I literally have been at the amusement park, helping a client get through an issue, like I had an amusement park, mm-hmm. seriously, but I've had to do it too. So I just want to preface it with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably the worst at this, I think. It takes being obsessed about something to be successful. Now, you can. there's levels of obsessed, but I believe that the people who are obsessed with being successful their business, their health, how they look, 
always look better, always perform better. And I believe there's a level of that that's needed in order to achieve success. Example, like you said, we go to the beach a couple times a year. It's not like this now. It used to be when I was more in the trenches. My brother, because we go with our family and my brother's family would be there and I would find the nearest desk in my room. My iPad would be out, my keyboard. It was like the first thing I put out there. And I would be completely content myself with looking out the window, seeing the beach and having my iPad open with a coffee. And I was completely content mm. sending emails. I used to say going on vacation is just a different office space. That's how I defined it. I knew that I had support, probably much more support from my wife and my family than most people did from a perspective of that's what he is, that's what he does. I'm not going to beat him up for it. But you get to a point where you realize in your second act, you're, you know, 45 years old, you know, that that time it should not be a distraction anymore. That's, but you work to put yourself in a position where you don't have to do that. But even if I didn't have to do it at the time, I would have did it. Mm -hmm. So as much as I would love to say you don't have to be obsessed with success to achieve it, I believe you do. There is damage that could be done. There is, you know, family frustrations, risk analysis that maybe is too high, which puts stress on everything. There is a cause and effect to obsessing over success. And it's not all good. Collateral damage, let's say. There's collateral damage with being successful. That's how I would phrase it. Most successful people, take Elon, take Bezos, what have they done? They've changed the world. But look around them. Divorced, well, yeah. multiple kids everywhere. You know what I mean? Is there a price to pay base? Collateral damage? There's absolutely. There's there's collateral there's damage. A and it's a source pay. of stress. Yeah. It's a hundred percent source of stress. Don't tell me that working, you know, eighty hour weeks is not stressful. It's very stressful. You remember back in the day. Absolutely. But I also believe that, you know, if you're a lawyer, a doctor, a high level executive at any large company, you're obsessed with your job. You have to be. You know what I mean? I mean, this is what you do. Who you are, you know? No, and you know what? I'm not good. You know what made me just think about what did they used to say, which is the uttermost BS statement I've ever heard work smarter, not harder. That's so like general. Well, because most people yeah, spend yeah, duh, so much work. time <laughs> trying to figure out a workaround rather than just doing the work and they would get, they would be done. You know yeah. what I mean? It's work like, smarter and harder. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's being not efficient. An, it's not an either you know? or it's an, yeah. ant. It's, it's, so, an ant. Yeah. it's an ant. It's so like, uh, you know, work smarter, not harder. But I think, you know, the difference yeah. is like, you know, if you're, and this is not to put anybody down, but if you're a mid-level manager in a decent company, right? Like you have tasks that you need to do and you want to get them done as efficiently as possible and go on about your day. Right. But if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, that's your entrepreneurship is a lifestyle choice. It is. And if that's you choose that lifestyle, you are going to be an entrepreneur 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That's just what you're deciding to do. And a lot of people, I don't think, get it. They like, oh my gosh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to run a business. I want to have all this free time. I want to just do what I want to do and make a lot of money. It's fantastic. But it's also like winning a lottery ticket. 
right? Like the chances of that happening are slim to none in the beginning. You have to work for it and you're going to work harder. Now, when you're working hard like that, the only difference is you can look yourself in the mirror and you can say, I'm doing this for myself, for my family, not for some corporation, right? Not for some, you know, board of directors or some boss. But I think that that amps up the pressure that you put internally, at least it should amp up the pressure that you're doing internally because nobody's coming to save you. Yeah. Like nobody's coming to save you. Like you're deciding that you're leaving the safety of the tribe and you're going to go out and hunt on your own. And if you're successful, great. If you're not, no one's coming to save you. So you got to save yourself. I don't believe in my experience that if you're not willing to put in the work, you're going to be successful. You're going to be successful because at the end of the day, the commitment it takes and the risk it takes to become successful. And you could define success many ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to mean you make $5 million a year. It could mean you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, but you're your own boss. But you know, the entrepreneur that gets into business thinking he's going to work a six to eight hour day every day and be successful. Not likely in my opinion, not likely depending on what you're doing, but I would say, Hey, you need to give up your nights, weekends, whatever it takes to be successful because you've risked your whole life on this bet. So how important is it to you to make it to the finish line? That's right. And I think that if you go into it with the understanding that, look, I mean, a meme, I, a meme, right? This is, this is where we, we got a lot of world. Them, we got a lot of memes, right? But my wife shared this meme with me right when we started our company. And I think I talked about it before, yeah. but it was, it's pretty simple. It's entrepreneurship is living a few years like other people won't to live the rest of your life like other people can't. And right. And like there's General. nuances in there, right? right obviously. Right. But I think that that kind of sums it up, right? Like, are you willing to go through the boot camp, which could last 10 years, 20 years, a year, six months, there's no telling, right? Are you willing to go through the pain and sacrifice to hopefully, right? Like you said, for the hope that there's a payoff in the end, which I believe just like you, if you have a good business plan, you've done your research, Mm -hmm. you've done everything and you put the work in, eventually you will get there, but there is no set timetable, right? And the other thing is, is once you get there, doesn't mean you're there forever, right? Like, it's like when you see, no, but I mean, you go through waves, right? So one month, one year, one decade, you may be just killing it or you may be struggling. Something happens, the exact opposite. You start doing great or your business contracts. You're always in this give and take. And so you've got to really enjoy the time where you get to have the moments in your career where things are rolling well and you can kind of you know, take a step back a little bit and work those six, eight hour days, but you can't start off with six or eight hour days. No, you can't go into it. That if, mind if process. you're not naturally putting in more than that, then you're not, your mind is not there. Your mindset's not there. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And a lot of entrepreneurs have it, like you said, good for a while. They get comfortable. The edge is kind of not there anymore. Though I've made it, the money's coming in and then something changes, economy changes, COVID something. Mm-hmm. And then you got to have turn that hustle back on. And sometimes you've gotten so lazy and so comfort is the enemy of progress because the more comfort you have, the harder it is for some people to remain sharp. You know, we like to challenge ourselves. You know, we know that it's very easy to make a bunch of money 
get a bunch of comfort, get a bunch of. It's like when Jordan quit playing basketball, right? What happens when he comes back? He's breaking it. I mean, you know, it takes, yeah, if you get off that edge, it's going to be a process. I really like the conversation about, like, it's so on you. I like that conversation when you were talking about it's your, the level of effort required in the beginning and throughout any stage of the entrepreneurial journey. I remember when I was just getting started, all my buddies who were graduating from college, great jobs, engineering and different jobs, $30,000, dollars $50,000. And in the 90s, that was great money to start. And they had their two weeks vacation. They had their PTO. And me, I was scrounging those nickels because I was like, my StarTech wasn't going to pay the bills, right? Mm -hmm. I had to just pound it out. And they were able to do all these cool things. And I wasn't. And I was like, man, this is hard. This is really difficult. However, over time, the curve changes, right? The curve changes to where there's a plateau with the nine to five. I don't care what it is, 100, 150, whatever that number looks like. Maybe it's 200. But with entrepreneurship, you do it right. There's no curve. There's no curve. I mean, it doesn't plateau. You keep going and going and going. And then guess what happens? Then it's like, now you've got scale. Mm -hmm. Now you've got teams. Now you can say, boy, I can take my foot off the gas a little bit. Here's the, the other side of it is that you become the kind of person like us who doesn't really take your foot off the gas. It doesn't mean that you're still working 80 hours, but it means that your time immersion in business is not as stressful as it once was. Mm -hmm. It's stressful early on. But for me, it's same thing with vacations. I've learned to turn most of it off on vacation, not 100% of it, but you're right. The true entrepreneur, like vacation for me, it's always been, it's a vacation for my wife and my kid and whoever we're bringing. And for me, I'm there. I am as immersed as I possibly can be. There's still work to be done. Mm -hmm. You can never stop. In fact, and it doesn't mean not just at the small business level, the medium and large. I remember reading stories when I was working on my research with Steve Jobs, having to fly from a Hawaii vacation back to the Apple campus, right? He's like, family, I got, I got to go. We got an issue, Right. Just, I mean, you got tremendous resources, all that money, right? All these teams, all this leadership, and you still have to be there. Yeah, and I don't be think, present. I don't think it's like a sob story either. I wouldn't want any other. I mean, you're not doing it because you like. Yeah, you have to, but there's a difference between having to do that, check some emails, have to take a call on vacation, or having to be in the office at nine o'clock in the morning because someone told you you had to be. It's options. It's right. options. It's options. It's I options. love that. Yeah. It's options. Entrepreneurship yep. allows options. And I went through the same thing, right? I mean, I told you most of my friends went into, you know, some type of skilled trade. So by, you know, 20 years old, you know, they're making 20 bucks an hour back in year 2000. You know what I mean? So they're balling, you know, I mean, like they want to go out on the weekends and yeah, like kids. Yeah. There was a lot of money back. That in. was a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, you're making, you're making 20 bucks an hour at 20 years old in year 2000. You're chilling. You know what I mean? Lot. Like yeah, back then they're buying houses. You know what I mean? They've got brand new trucks. Like they've got $10 all, the, an all hour the, was a lot. Yeah. They've got all the stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't. And so it's one of those things. But now, like you said, fast forward 20 years and look, they still do great. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they have the quote unquote American dream, you know, they go to work, they make good money, they come home. It is what it is, but they don't have options, right? Don't have options. They can never go do something else besides what they're doing right now 
because that's their skill set that they've honed in on. Now they can start over. They're not going to go transfer from one to another. We as entrepreneurs, we can say, you know what? This new technology, this new business venture, this new thing that's out there, I can take my skill sets that I have and I can either start a new startup. I can invest into a new company. I can pick on a new product. We can choose what we want to do. And I think that that's really, from an entrepreneur standpoint, for me, that's where it's at, right? You have options to do what you want. You can choose not to go to work. No one's going to call you you and yell to you. You know what I mean? Like you want to stay in bed? Like, great, stay in bed. Not going to lead to success, but you have options to do what you want to do. So there's a deal made when you decide to do either or. As an employer, you buy other people's time. As an employee, you sell your time. Decide what you want to do. Not one. This is not a either way. Like it may be a better deal for you to sell your time and not have the stress and the risk and all those other things. But as an entrepreneur, buying other people's time for one day, having, like the meme said, mm-hmm. a life yeah. that everybody dreamed yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm glad you brought that up because that's our third source of stress. People problems. Most entrepreneurs experience frustration, disappointment, aggravation in their experience with people. This is a true statement. Mm -hmm. Because people will make us or break us, not only externally, internally. We're frustrated sometimes with sometimes the people in our family who don't understand us. Sometimes we're frustrated with the people in our businesses, our employees. Sometimes we're frustrated with our partners. People are a constant source of frustration in one way or another. When you've felt the most frustration or disappointment or aggravation with people, what's that look like? It's usually with entrepreneurs that I experience. Man, they just don't care the way I do. Hmm. Entrepreneurs want the people to work for them to care the way they do. And it's not a contract that works that way. And my way to lead is to have something to offer beyond a paycheck. If you don't have something to offer beyond a paycheck, don't expect them to have buy-in beyond a paycheck, which in turn will, if money is all that keeps your people there, you're going to lose people. You're going to have an unhappy work environment or a bad company culture. Don't expect them to care like you because it's your business. So if you accept that, that there's a level, there's levels, right? So there's this level that I built this business. I've risked everything. I'm going to be so passionate about this business being successful. Your employee looks at it. I come in every day. You pay me to be here for a certain amount of time and I want to go home and I don't want to care beyond that. How do you achieve that? And it's very simple. Create organizational culture that people want to be a part of make them feel included share your vision and you'll be more than a paycheck people problems stem from shared vision that is not implemented properly or implemented at all and there it's not an inclusive proposition with your employee is your proposition inclusive is your organization inclusive to your employees and more than just 
a financial benefit. If it is, you fall right in here. Yeah. It's a good point you make. We sometimes imbue what we, our own type of philosophy of achievement on them. Mm-hmm. And it's not of, fair. It's not fair. It's, it's not, not fair. fair. Yeah. It's not fair. You're setting everybody up for failure, right? Like you said, it's your company. You shouldn't have an employee that cares about it more than you. Right. Right. If you do, that's a problem. You know what I mean? Like that's a problem with you, you know, but I think, right. Like, I mean, I've had, I think I've had about every type of people problem issue, you know, whether it's partnerships, you know, people, you know, want to do, they want to make different decisions, different ways, but that's, you can fix that with a good op agreement, right? There's a lot of things you can do here, right? Like good op agreement lays out how the partnership works. You know what I mean? There's a disagreement. You follow the paper. You're having problems with your employees. It's mostly because I would say, you know, entrepreneurs have a single vision and they've got it figured out in their head the way that it's supposed to look. And sometimes success doesn't look the way that you think it's going to look, right? And But you're so laser focused on this one thing that you're not seeing the forest through the trees. The other thing is that's, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs don't have leadership training. You know, they have an idea and they don't necessarily know how to lead people. And so, you know, I think that there are skill issues when it comes to people problems where you just don't have the right skill sets and you can go learn those or there's structural issues, right? You didn't set the company up the right way. You and your partners didn't lay out in an op agreement the way this is going to work. Anytime I go into partnership with somebody, I always want to make sure that everybody understands a couple things. Here's the business. Here's the expectation I have of you. Here's the expectation you have of me. And if we disagree, here's how we fix that. And if worst case scenario, we need to get a divorce. This is exactly how we get a divorce, right? You lay those things out prior to starting a company. You won't have those issues with a partner, right? Because it's already been predetermined how those issues will work themselves out. Yeah. Most partnerships break up because the value proposition is not somebody's working harder. Somebody's working harder. Somebody's not upholding their bargain. There's a tough decision that needs to be made. You guys have different ideas on how you want to take it. One person wants to take a company one way. There's a thousand things, right? But a lot of this from an entrepreneur standpoint, you can address these issues up front. You know, if you're having problems with your people, take a leadership course, right? Read a leadership book, right? I mean, I'm sure we can give you a thousand, you know, where to start and how to start to address those issues. If it's a partner problem, you know what to do, right? If it's a home life issue, it's a little harder, right? But I think it all comes back down to communicating effectively, Yeah. whether you're talking to an employee, a partner, or a family member. I love the conversation around expectations, really. This is like, I think this is the Achilles heel of why we get frustrated with people. We have misguided or misunderstood expectations, right? Just based on what you said about communication, especially like you said, in partnerships. I think most partnerships fail for the same reasons, vision and expectations, right? We didn't have our expectations lined up clearly. Our vision was moving in a different direction or it fails because our expectation was that if this, this, and this happens, we'll dissolve the agreement, right? It's just that simple. You know my philosophy, trusting God, everybody else, get it in writing, right? Yeah. So- You bring up something interesting because I was thinking about the frustrations people have in a business, right? You have a frustration with your banker because you need access to capital and they won't give you a line of credit. Well, did I understand what the terms would be, right? I have to have two years in business. I have to have X dollars, right? All these, do I have to have assets or collateral, things like that? What was was my expectation? How is it wrong? 
what about issues with your customer, right? Accounts receivables, people aren't paying me, right? Well, what are your systems, right? Why don't you have that one ACH? Why don't you have an agreement? I have everybody who I have a client who has rental properties. I tell them in your agreement, one day late begins collection proceedings and eviction notices. You say, Nate, it seems so extreme. No, not really, because then they realize, okay, I got to pay this bill first. Mm-hmm. I will get frustrated with my tenants who aren't paying me because it's my fault, because I set the wrong expectation. Happened to me back in the day. I had tenants who would slow pay. You know, first it was 500 off, then it was 1000 I was like, well, you know, I'm working with them. $8,000 later, they move out, gone forever, Right? Whose fault is that? Why am I frustrated? Why am I stressed out? It totally 100% falls on me. And as we understand this better, our sources of stress regarding this, same thing with employees, like you said, vendors, all of it can, we can mitigate some of the stress by having the right expectations clearly identified before, hey, by the way, before we get into a relationship. No, and that's why, and I really, Because I think the people that are listening to this, right, they're either new entrepreneurs who are getting into the business and the thing that I would, you know, or they're probably existing and and they've they've had some issues, right? But I'm telling you right now, right, like when you go into business, there are a couple people that you absolutely must identify for your team. One is an accountant. One is an attorney, right? Like those two people will pay for themselves in spades over time because they're going to set you up the right way, right? Entrepreneurship, people, you know, you have an idea, you're super passionate, you just want to make it happen, right? And I think the three of us are a lot like this in our early 20s, right? Like it's just, we're going to run through that wall. We're going to, their failure is not an option, right? We're going to make it happen. And we're so focused on making it happen that we don't set up and structure ourselves properly for the long haul. And so anybody who's new or you've been in business for, I don't care, 10 years, if you don't have an accountant and you don't have an attorney, go find one. I love that. Yeah. First thing. And this is what I, in fact, this is textbook. What we teach at the university when they're into an entrepreneurship class and I'll get pushback from students and they'll say, well, I can't afford an an accountant or an attorney. And then I'll respond and say, well, can you afford your cell phone bill? Well, I have to. Why? because you think it's necessary. That's why. Don't start your business without the necessary people because without the necessary people, you will have these stressors regarding people and it will drive you nuts. It might even drive you out of business. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let me move on to the last one. Real quick. The best partners you can have if you're starting a business is finding an accountant and an attorney that you want to go into business with (laughs) and just bring them in house. (laughs) It does work out really well. (laughs) (laughs) Good plug. Need to achieve. This can be a stressor. This was actually a little surprising. Like, oh, how could that be stressor? But achievement does bring satisfaction. Mm -hmm. However, many entrepreneurs are never satisfied with their work, no matter how well it's done. Let that simmer for just a second. Are you a perfectionist? Yeah, but I think this is a double-edged sword, personally. Mm -hmm. I think this this can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? I think the bad thing is probably a younger entrepreneur, somebody who's fresh, you know, going through it six months in, a year in, they're working a ton, they're doing everything they need to do, 
right? But it hasn't happened yet, right? And so I think entrepreneurs also need to have a very high level of patience, which is hard for me to say because I'm <laughs> not a patient person. However, you know, I mean, let's face it, right? Like to make that step to be an entrepreneur, right? Like so many things in your life have to be set up a certain way. You know, like you've got to have a certain kind of personality type. You've got to have kind of an idea. You've got to have this feeling that you can do it better than anybody else has done it before, right? Otherwise, what are you doing, right? Like, I mean, what are you really doing, right? And so you have all these things. You're probably a high achiever. You probably could go to a corporate world and do really well, right? Like you could probably, you know, be that the golden employee because you're going to work hard and do everything. And so when you don't have that achievement to kind of the gas along the way that's reinforcing, yes, I'm doing the right thing. I'm getting some wins. I'm doing the right things. I can totally see where that can be a huge impact on somebody. On the flip side, as seasoned entrepreneurs, I think that this is what continues to keep us, right? The great entrepreneurs, I'm not saying we're great, but I'm saying people like us, right? Continues to keep us sharp and in the zone. It's never done. And so we know that. I think like the three of us know, like we're never going to have a company where we sit back and we just go, yeah, this like, is perfect. Right. Or retirement. Like that word is a four letter word to me. Yeah. Like there's like, what is retirement? It's like, to me, that's like going into prison to say, you can't do anything else, but relax. <laughs> like you might as well just shoot me. Right. Right. I'm not built for that. I wired no, that I'm always going to be doing something. hundred percent. Sam, what about you? There's always a new level and there's never a final level. I don't think there'll ever be a final, a final level. boss that we have to beat. Mm, no, <laughs> you know, once your business does, you know, here's benchmarks, you know, there's financial benchmarks that are really big. And, you know, if you accomplish maybe your vision and maybe part of that's like making a million dollars a year. Okay. Then you do that. Maybe you want your company to do $5 million a year. Then you do that. Maybe, you know what? Five, I think I can get to 10. I think that's how entrepreneurs brains work. Yeah. And, you know, comfort is the enemy of progress. We don't stay comfortable. Comfortable from the perspective of being uncomfortable. If you make $5 million a year, you're definitely comfortable. But are you comfortable with that $5 million a year? No, you're really like, no, I can make $10 million a year. I want to get to the point where I can. And at this point, your life hasn't changed a whole lot. It's just a number. It's a level. It's a new level. I remember I had these, and you know this already, and Travis probably does too, is I wanted to be to a point where, you know, obviously I'm a big car guy, big car enthusiast. There was levels of vehicles that I wanted to be able to buy, right? You know, the first one, I want to buy a GT500. I want to go walk in the dealership. That's the one I want and be done. Okay, you achieve that. You know, then what's the next level? You know, buy another one, buy four or five of them. Then that gets kind of, okay, well, I can do those. Let's get into, now I bought my first exotic you know, or a while ago, and like, I want to be able to do that. And then I want to be able to buy a $200,000 car without it really affecting me. And you get to these levels, right? And then for some, it's financial. For some, it's just being able to do it. It's not about like flex, like a flex, or it's not it's about- just that you can. It's just that I can. So the I can is so big in my world. It's like, I can go on vacation whenever I want. I can go, if I like that, I want to be able to know that I'm not, oh, I don't want to feel like I can't do something or you don't want buyer's remorse. I don't want, I don't want to, if I walk in, I'll tell you how I'm, you know this already. 
if there's levels, so then I meet people that maybe I'm like, man, I think I'm at this level and I meet this guy. I'm like, you know what? Man, I got some work to do. I want to be at this level, right? So I feel like that's like the way we're wired and that's our mindset. So for me, it was always like vehicles were big and, you know, get to a point where you own five, six vehicles today, you know, I own five, six vehicles. Now it's not even like exciting to me anymore. So now what's exciting, right? I'm in my second act, right? That's, I love cars. I love buying cars. I love, you know, and I do it all the time, buy and sell cars all the time. But what really gets me excited now is that team member that says working here changed my life. Yeah. Or seeing, you know, our employee roster with 50 new people Mm -hmm. and new agreements and that's cool. Right. And then for me, so now what really, you know, my need to achieve is to be impactful in any way, shape or form that I can do that. Would you be more impactful with a, with a Bugatti? It's coming. It's on the list. It's on the list. list. But again, it's not even the item anymore. It's just the ability. It's It's the ability. Yeah. It's the ability. It's the But these are real stressors. And if someone listening today is like, yes, you've hit the button on at least one of these and all of them at some time come into play. And, but that's not the end of the story. In fact, Cliffhanger, another one. I think we did a Cliffhanger last year's episode. Cliffhanger, listen next week. And we're going to talk about how to deal. Well, my friend, I am so thrilled that you joined me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. And before you go to the next episode, especially if you're binge listening, take a moment. I would love to get your honest review right here on your screen. Your feedback is so important. It helps the podcast. It encourages me and it helps me. It helps me to give you more and more and more value. So I can't wait to read your review. I can't wait to be with you on the next episode. I'm Dr. Nate Sala. This is a call to leadership.